All right, good to see everybody today. Um, this is going to be a class, as you know, on 1 Corinthians 13. Originally, they told me I had 13 weeks to teach, and then they took a week away from us. That was not very nice. So now we have 12 weeks to study 13 verses, all right? Um, and um, so I, I'm looking forward to this. As you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 uh, is the famous love chapter in the Bible. Probably some of you had the chapter read at your wedding, right? A very, very famous passage of Scripture on the subject of love. And I think it's fair to say that we could really sum up the entire Christian life in that one word, love. Love is at the very center of Christian faith and practice. Love is at the very center of God's moral law. God, uh, love is, is at the very center of Christian ethics. The Bible says that God is love. Jesus said the greatest commandment is that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, and all of our mind. And the second commandment is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Over in Romans chapter 13, Paul says that love is the fulfilling of the law. And we could go on and on and on and talk about so many verses in the Bible, so many passages in the Bible that emphasize the importance of this cardinal virtue of love. And that's what we're going to talk about in this class. But let me just ask this question, and this is not a rhetorical question. I want to ask this and see if I can get some responses here. Why do you think that love is so important in the Christian life? Now, don't make me start calling on people. I might call on you, Walter. Why is love such an important part of the Christian life? Okay, because it's important to serve others. All right, that's a good answer. There's no right or wrong answer. Well, I guess there could be some wrong answers, but what do you think? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I think one of the reasons that love is held up to us as the central virtue in the Christian life is because love is the one thing in the entire world that can meet one of our most fundamental needs as human beings. And that is this. There was a guy who wrote a book about 20 years ago called The Search for Significance. Anybody, have any of y'all read that book? All right. In that book, the author argues that the most basic, most fundamental of all of the human needs 
is significance. We all want to be significant. We all want to know that we matter. We all want to know that we have value. And it is love that brings significance to our lives. Now, we search for significance in all sorts of ways, right? We search for it in our jobs. We search for it with, in prosperity. We search for it in physical pleasures. There's, there's any number of ways in which we search for significance. But the Bible teaches that the only way that you can experience true, lasting significance is through love. And there are two uh, dimensions to this, at least, I think. Number one, there is a passive dimension. That is, we all want to receive love, right? That is, a, that is a very, very basic human need, the need to receive love, the need to, 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 to know that we are worthy, that we have value, that we have significance. And, and when someone, I mean, when we receive someone's love, you know, they are conferring significance on us. They are telling us that you matter, you are valuable, you have dignity, you have worth, and all of these things. And that starts from the moment we are born. From the, the second we come into this universe, we have this instinctive desire to be loved. You've probably heard about some of these orphanages they have over in Russia and the Ukraine and some of these places you know a lot of the young women over there have babies they can't take care of them and so as soon as these young women have these babies they will immediately take them to one of these orphanages they have and a lot of these orphanages have hundreds of little babies and they're chronically understaffed they may have three or four nurses quote-unquote that are there taking care of maybe three or four hundred little bitty babies, okay? And all they can do is maybe give them a blanket, a little bit of milk every few hours, and maybe a little bit of food here and there. But those little babies lay in these little cribs. Nobody ever picks them up. Nobody sings to them. Nobody holds them. Nobody caresses them. Nobody gives them love. And they have done studies with those children that grow up in that environment and almost all of the kids that grow up in that environment end up with very mangled personalities you know they they grow up with horrible emotional issues um, physical issues sometimes and certainly spiritual issues okay it is so important from the time we are born that we receive love, you see, and we never outgrow that. I don't care if you're two years old or 22 years old or 102 years old. We never outgrow this need to be loved. We always want to know that we matter. We always want to know that we are significant. But in addition to a, a, a inborn natural need to be loved, we also have a need to love right? Love is not simply something that we receive. It is also something that we are to give, right? The Bible again says over and over and over. I mean, we are commanded to love. As we said a minute ago, 
The greatest commandment is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second greatest commandment is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So love in this regard is a commandment. We are told to love. Love is an action. It's not simply a sentimental sort of feeling. It's not just something that's supposed to be in our, in our minds. It's something we're supposed to do. You shall love. Soren Kierkegaard, a great Danish philosopher, wrote an entire book on love, and he called it Works of Love. And his main point in that book is to say love is not a feeling. Love is not sentimental. Love is something that we put in action. If we're not putting our love in action, we aren't loving. And so we have, just as, just as we have a need to be loved, we have a natural need to love. We were made to love. We were made to experience the love of God, and that love is supposed to flow out of us into the lives of other people. We're not simply to be a reservoir where we receive this love. We're supposed to be a river where the love of God and the love of other people is supposed to come into our lives and then flow through us into the lives of other people. And you will not flourish as a human being. You will not live up to your full potential as a human being if you are not actively loving the people who God puts into your life. Now, what I want to do today is sort of introduce uh, this class, and um, I want to do three things primarily. First of all, I want us to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and then I want us to talk about some of the goals that, that I have for this class, and then I want to provide a little context for you, because the only way to really understand any passage of Scripture is, first of all, to understand the context in which uh, that particular text was written. And so I want to talk about those things today, and then next week we're actually going to start our study of the actual text, all right? But let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Again, it's only, it's only 13 verses, and I'm going to ask someone to read this chapter to us. I want one of our lovely ladies, in fact, to read this chapter. Kendra and I were in Montgomery, Alabama a few weeks ago, and a friend of mine was preaching at an EPC church, and um, of course in the EPC church they actually let women do things, okay? I thought I'd get more laughter than that, okay. They actually let women do things in the EPC, and so they had this woman who read the scripture that day, and she had the most beautiful voice I think I've ever heard. I told Kendra during the middle of the service, I said, I said she could just, she could read the Bible all day, and I would just sit here and just want to listen to her. So I'm going to ask, do we have any female volunteers to read Wait, now you just pointed uh, at, at Carla. And you know this verse was at the beginning. Well, it's that, because her voice is most, the loveliest voice. Yeah. There you go. Valentine's was last week. You don't, you don't have to say that. Come on. No. All right, so I want, I want one of our ladies. Would you read it? All right, outstanding. I'm going to get here so that all the people can hear it on the tape. I'm pretty 
pretty loud. So oh, all right. Um, Very good. I'm not Morgan Freeman, so. Now, let's find, now, when you read it, read it loud and proud, okay. and read it slow enough that we hear all of the words. Don't just rush through it. All right. Very good. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am noisy. I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for the prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we know prophecies in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three things, but the greatest of these is love. All right, very good. Thank you. All right, so <clears throat> as I said, we're going to spend the next 12 weeks going through that chapter in painstaking detail. All right. Hopefully, though, there won't be too much pain, It'll, but it might be painstaking. All right, but I want to share with you, I guess, three um, goals that I have for this class as we, as we embark upon this study. Uh, the first goal is, and I think this should be a goal uh, any time we study the Bible, any passage of Scripture. And that is, I want us to, <clears throat> to come to a better understanding of the nature of God and His Son, Jesus Christ, through a study of this passage. We said a moment ago that the Bible says that God is love. Okay? All right, so God is love. And then Paul here says, love is and then he fills in the blanks. So that means that, <clears throat> that this chapter and these, these characteristics of love that she just went through, these are characteristics of God, right? And so when Paul says that love is patient and kind, look, every time he says love, <clears throat> you could plug in the name of God there. You could plug in the name of Jesus Christ. And, you, and, and we could say, God is patient and kind. God does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You see? And so, <clears throat> excuse me. And so as we study these characteristics of love, these attributes of love, we are going to be studying the very nature of God. And we're going to see how, how God and his son Jesus Christ exemplify 
each one of these attributes. So that's, that's one goal that we have. But the second goal, and probably equally as important as that first goal, is that I want to challenge each one of us to look into our own lives and into our own hearts and ask ourselves, do these things apply to me? In other words, could you put your name there? We'll use Walter as an example. Now don't, she's already laughing here. You, you can't do that. Walter is patient and kind. Is he? No, don't, don't answer that. All right. Walter does not envy or boast. Walter is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on his own way. Walter is not irritable or resentful. Walter does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Walter bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. <laughs> but if, if you want to take a good spiritual inventory, put your name, put your name there and read it. And, and if you're like me, you get past about the first two or three of those and goes, and you'll go, golly, this does not describe me very well. This is a, a huge challenge for us, right? And when we go through each of these virtues, you know, we're going to spend a whole week on patience. We're going to spend a whole week on kindness. What does it mean to be kind? And we're going to look at these things, and I, and I want to challenge us to look into our own hearts and in our own minds and our own lives and ask ourselves, does this describe me? I mean, how sanctified am I, really? I mean, Paul is encouraging us to put these characteristics, put these attributes to work in our lives, and so we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be asking ourselves, does this really, um, do these things apply to me? And if they don't, how can, I, how can I become more patient? How can I become more kind? How can I become less irritable, less resentful, and so forth? And, and we're, going to, we're going to look at that. All right. The third uh, thing that I want us to do, in fact, let's do, let's do this since... We found this earlier. I'm going to make two columns here. We're going to say that this, these are the, did I spell that right? Positive. And then we're going to say negative. All right. You notice uh, in this passage, Paul defines love both positively and negatively. Love is this. Love is this. And then he says love is not this. It is not this. All right. And I want us to go through this list again, and I, we're going to make two columns, the positives on one side and the negatives on the other. And what I want, what I want to, to show you at the end of this is that we want to live our lives in this column, and we don't want to live our lives in this column. And there's great reward we're going to see. There's great reward in living our lives in this column. Because all of these attributes, all the positive attributes, are very attractive. They're very attractive. And here's the thing. Every single one of us in here, every single person, 
wants to be attractive, right? We want to be physically attractive. Some of us are challenged in that area, but we want to be physically attractive. We want to be socially attractive, right? We want people to like us, okay? And after we get through uh, filling out these two columns, you're going to look at this column and go, I want to be this person. I don't want to be this person. All right, so let's go, let's, let's, let's go through this again. Somebody that's got their, their Bible open. Love is what? What's the first thing Paul says? Patient. Then he says what? Patient. Kind. All right, what's next? Does, no, just we're going to go straight down the list. We're going to do positive and whichever one comes up next. Envy. All right. Boast. All right, what's next? Arrogance. All right. Rude. Man, this is starting to describe a lot of people I know. All right. Insistent. All right. Insistent. All right, what's next? Irritable. Irritable. Oh, now he's gone to meddling. Irritable. Man. All right. <clears throat> All right. Rejoice. Rejoice at wrongdoing. All right. Ah, now we get to come back over to this side. Rejoices with the truth. All right. All right, we'll just say bears all things, believes, hopes, hopes all things, endures all things. All right. Is that it? Okay, yeah, then that, that goes to the next section. All right, now just look at this list. These are characteristic, and we can we you know we could go down this whole list, and we are over the next few weeks. And you can think of different people you know that fit every one of these characteristics. But here's what Paul is telling us: He's saying, "Look, who does not want to be patient, kind, one who rejoices with the truth, one who bears all things?" believes all now when Paul says believes all things what he's talking about there is we need to be people who I'm always believing the best in you I'm looking for the best in you he doesn't mean we're supposed to be gullible and, and believe everything we hear he's saying I'm to when you tell me something I'm supposed to look on the bright side and say I believe Catherine when she tells me that I'm to believe all things hope I'm to hope for the best in you and I'm too, and even when you, and then when, even when you fail, my love endures. Okay. This, the, this is, this is these, but think about these characteristics. Envy, boasting, arrogance, rude, 
insisting on your own way, irritableness, resentfulness, and then rejoicing at wrongdoing. These are extremely unattractive qualities, right? Do any of you want your friends to demonstrate any of these qualities right here? No. We don't walk away from people like this. We run away from people like this, right? But what, but what we're attracted to are people who are patient, right? Do you ever want somebody to be impatient with you? No. Are you attracted to people who are patient? Yes. Are you attracted to people who are kind? Yes. And, and, and all of these things. And so what I want to emphasize sort of at the outset of this is that these, these things are good for us. These things are bad for us. And Paul is, is saying, look, why would you not want to be this person? People are going to be more attracted to you. You're, people, you're going to probably receive more love if you are like this. But if you're like this, if you're just a person of envy and you're arrogant and you're rude and it's my way or the highway and people have to walk on eggshells all the time when they're around you and, and you're resentful, you know, you keep record, you know, you, you've always keeping tabs on people. Nobody wants to, to be around somebody like this. And so my point is, there, there are huge human advantages. There are human rewards, you see, associated with living this kind of life and avoiding this kind of life. And, and I, want us to, uh, I want us to think about that uh, as, we, as we study this. Now, in the last few minutes we have remaining, uh, let me give you just a little context for the book of 1 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in particular, because context is always important. Um, as I've said before, a text without a context is a pretext for a proof text, right? Okay. <laughs> All right. So that simply means when you, when you open up any passage of scripture, it is very, very helpful to know a little bit about the background, to know a little bit about the situation in which the writer is writing. Think of it, 2,000 years from now, there will be a historian somewhere <clears throat> probably getting a PhD in history, in American history, and they'll probably write their dissertation on uh, Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, okay? Now, if they just picked up that document 2,000 years from now, and they didn't know anything about the founding of the United States, if they didn't know anything about the American Civil War, they didn't know anything about slavery, they didn't know any of that stuff, well, they would be able to understand part of the Gettysburg Address, but if they had an in-depth knowledge of the founding of our country and the first hundred or so years of our country, and then they knew about north-south divisions and, and the whole uh, the economic system and, and all of that and what led up to the Civil War, then they would have a much better understanding, right, of the Gettysburg Address. And so when we come to Scripture, it's very helpful for us to at least make some effort to understand what was going on in the original setting because that helped, that just informs how we're supposed to read it. Okay, so let's talk about Corinth. Why, why does Paul insert this chapter on love here uh, where he does? Well, Corinth was a church that had, we might say, a love deficit, okay? It, um, it, was a, uh, it was a church that had been founded um, 
on Paul's second missionary journey. And if you read the, the first few chapters of 1 Corinthians, you discover that they had all sorts of problems, okay? They had divisions. They had almost like little churches within the church, okay? And they had, um, they had some people that said, you know, we hang on every word that Paul says. But then they had others that says, we don't care about what Paul says. Peter is our apostle. That's who we follow. And then they had others that said, no, 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 neither Peter or Paul. We like this guy named Apollos. We read about Apollos over in the book of Acts. He was apparently a very powerful preacher, speaker. And so you had these factions. You had the people that followed Apollos, the people that followed Peter, the people that followed Paul, and there were probably other divisions too. Um, and so one of the reasons Paul writes this letter is to say, say y'all, you, y'all need to quit sniping at each other. Y'all need to quit bickering at each other. Y'all need to heal your divisions, you see. These are people that had gotten to the point where they're like, you know, the people that followed Paul's teaching, you know, they sort of looked down on on everybody else. Now, you hear that and you go, well, that would never happen today. Yes, it would. I mean, think of it. If Paul were writing writing a, a book like this to the church today, you know, he would say, in fact, flip back to, if you have your Bibles, let me just show you this. He says, he says in chapter 1, he says, each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, we, again, we read that and go, well, that, we don't have those problems today. Yes, we do. I mean, think of it. Um, if he were writing this to the church today, he would say, what I mean is this. Uh, each one of you says... I follow the Pope, or I follow John Wesley, or I follow John Calvin. <gasps> oh, no. I've really gone to meddling now, right? I mean, you know, it's in, every Christian denomination sort of has its kind of pantheon of people that they, uh, that they sort of revere and admire. I saw this little meme that was going around. And it was a picture of this guy standing at someone's front door, and they, he, they were like handing, he was handing a, like a Christian tract to someone, in the, in the, and the caption said, have you welcomed John Calvin into your heart? You know, and I, th- and I thought that is so funny, you know, because sometimes we as Presbyterians, you know, we're so, you know, we're so uh, proud of our Calvinism. And, and I read that, and I think, gosh, we're really no different, you know, in a lot of ways than these people. You know, I follow Paul. I follow Cephas. I follow Calvin. I follow Wesley. I follow whoever. And so that's one of the reasons Paul writes this love chapter is to, is to say, guys, y'all are focusing on the wrong things. You need to start loving one another and stop paying so much attention to these divisions that you've created. Okay? So that's one thing. But the, there's another reason that Paul inserts chapter 13 where he does. Um, chapter 13 is inserted right between, guess what, chapters 12 and 14, <laughs> okay? Now, in chapters, in chapters 12, 13, and 14, Paul is specifically addressing the issue of spiritual gifts, okay? They had a lot of people in Corinth who were speaking in tongues. They had a lot of people who were... Uh, prophets. 
They, had, they apparently had miracle workers. I mean, this was an exciting place to go to church, okay? You never knew what was going to happen when you went to church at Corinth. Um, but they had, all these, they had all these people with all these charismatic gifts. And we're going to talk about that some next week. Um, but here's, here's what was happening. The people who were speaking in tongues, they thought they were just a little bit better than the people who weren't speaking in tongues. The people that had this gift of prophecy... See, they thought they were just a little bit better than everybody else. And so, again, you had people who were kind of one-upping each other. My gift is better than yours. You, you, know, you might be a teacher, but, God, that, listen, you know, I can work miracles, or I'm a prophet, or I can speak in tongues, or whatever it might be. And, and what Paul does in these three chapters, and, and chapter 13 is right in the middle, he says, look, he says, I want to encourage you in all your spiritual gifts. He says, if you can speak in tongues, outstanding. If you have the gift of prophecy, wonderful. If you're a teacher or a preacher or whatever it might be, he says, I want to encourage you to use those gifts and I want you to use them all the more. He says, but if you aren't loving one another, you are nothing. He says, I don't care how many tongues you speak in. I don't care how many prophetic visions you have. I don't care if you work miracles. He says, that doesn't matter if you don't love one another. And that's why this chapter 13 is right in the middle of that discussion of spiritual gifts. In fact, if you look at just the last, you know, the, the, the ending of, of chapter 12, he says, he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? He says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. That is, he's saying, I I'm not telling you not to pursue those. But then he says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. That is, I will show you a more excellent way to pursue the abundant life that Christ wants us to have. And he says that is through the avenue of love. And, that, and, and that's where this whole discussion uh, falls in. And we're going to talk next week um, about spiritual gifts and about how, how important they are. But the, the point he makes in the first few verses of chapter 13 is, is if you're not loving, then you don't have the spirit of Christ in you. And if you're not loving, you've missed the whole point. And so that's what, that's what we're going to start, um, start with next week. And then we're going to, when we get to these actual, you know, characteristics, patience, kindness, we're really going to slow down and start looking at those uh, in some detail and, and try to encourage one another um, in these virtues on this side. And we're going to try to talk about how we can avoid being, uh, being on this side of the column. And look, nobody does it perfectly, obviously. Um, you know, you might be a person, you might have all the patience in the world, but you might sometimes struggle with arrogance, you know, or you may, you know, uh, you may be the kindest person in the world. You may, you may be a really kind person, but sometimes, you know, you're kind of irritable, right? And so we're going to, you know, every, all of us probably have some of these qualities to, to some degrees, and we probably all struggle with some of these, and we're never going to do it perfectly. But part of, the, part of the life of sanctification is improving 
in all of these areas. And so that's what we're going to try to challenge one another to do. So uh, any other comments or thoughts before we close? All right, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we're grateful uh, for another day of life, and I just pray that uh, as we embark upon this study that you would uh, guide our hearts, guide our minds, help us to understand uh, your word, uh, help us to be faithful in our reading and our, and our understanding of your word, and I just pray that you would enable us to be more loving people because we know that by doing that we are living in imitation of your son Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.